Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to episode 67 of the Rocket Punch cast. Once again for this week, I will be your host, Cameron. I am joined by the ever-dependent Will. Wow. Why to shimmy while I'm down? Yeah, I mean, well, you're here. Seth is not, because he's still on vacation. Oh, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> so we, we, there has to be some give and take there somewhere. The other thing you could have said would have been the follically challenged. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess the listeners can't see a picture of you, so they don't know that you basically your hair is shorter than mine, at least for right now, anyway. Yeah, every day. <laughs> every day? Oh, maybe most days. Maybe most days, most days. But again, listeners, welcome back to episode 67. Um, we're going to jump right into this week's episode. Uh, what's What's been going on this week with you, Will? What's Dude. been happening in, in your realm? The all-consuming presence of one thing. Hot mobile trash. Oh boy. I can I already know where this is going. If you guys haven't been listening for a while, there's one thing that I've been playing about as long as I've been a member of the Rocket Punch crew. Dragon Ball Z Doken Doken Battle. <laughs> How many consecutive days have you been playing this game now? Oh no, I missed a login, so that started over. Oh my god, you it's missed okay. a login? The game counts cumulative. <laughs> oh god. What's what's that stat at? I'm curious. I honestly didn't look, but I know it's over 500. 500 over 500 days, people. 500. <laughs> Have when's the last game you played for that long? Like I, I played WoW. I was deep in World of Warcraft, and I haven't even played like maybe a total of well, a month and a half. I'm not playing every day. It's like log in, do a couple things, <laughs> leave. Still 500 days. Yeah, that's a big feat. How's that been going? Oh, dude, no, no, it's the year two anniversary event, so crap flying everywhere in the best way possible. I want I want you to tell everyone who's listening yeah. about Yamcha <laughs> and the on, special I, Yamchas that you get in this game, because yeah. why? <laughs> why is this even a thing? Hang on, I got to pull up the character list and sort by garbage <laughs> no i'm kidding sword by garbage folks that's what you're you should be expecting here all right so yamcha's setup the first one seth is aware of this one it's literally yamcha's body in the crater yes which is the appropriate picture yeah so you know he's got middling fairly weak stats for a level 120 character but his passive skill is the best Attack reduced to zero at start of turn. Why would, why would you even play this character in any type of? It, it gets game? better. There's another Yamcha where he's lying knocked out on the World Tournament Arena. <laughs> that's that's Dragon Ball Yamcha. Yeah, and this one is his passive skill is defense reduced to zero at start of turn. <laughs> so either he can't hit you for crap or he can't take the hit. Oh wow, that's. And these are level 120 characters, people. Man, I, I feel like Yamcha is the low-hanging fruit of the Dragon Ball universe now. Oh, dude, guaranteed. Yeah. If you're making fun of Yamcha, you're going to get a giggle somewhere. <laughs> well, I didn't play any Dragon Ball Z mobile game trash. I'm waiting for Dragon Ball Fighter C, as everyone else knows you are too. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Just pay attention to our Twitter feeds. It's stupid. <laughs> One game I did play, I am... Proud to announce, because we talked about it in last week's episode about our um, Game of the Year progress report. I am proud to announce that I have completed Horizon Zero Dawn. I finished the main story. It was 55-ish hours completed. 
Hmm. By the time I got done now, I was kind of a completionist. I actually went through and found all the quests and side missions and whatnot and played those or what, what the game calls errands. And I played through those. Let me tell you, if you own a PlayStation four and you have not played horizon zero dawn, you need to play that game immediately. The game was fantastic. The story is wonderful. There was a particular moment in the story where I just kind of had my mouth open staring at the screen for about 30 seconds to a minute. Like, did that just happen? Hmm. Um, but there's a lot, the game really had me thinking, especially the story about, um, its themes and kind of more about the story and how that entailed and what that means for a big, in the broader things for maybe like, you know, a lot of in-depth thought provoking, um, topics that was, that came from that. But the game itself was super fun. I'm I'm also happy that I beat the game literally two days before they announced New Game Plus. <laughs> so like, yes, I'm ready to go. Um, they have, I think, better weapons in the game. And they actually added an ultra hard mode as well. Hmm. You can also do like, you can change the focus colors for Aloy's little focus device. And you get face paint. You can put face paint on her, which is pretty cool. All right. So here's the real question. On the ultra hard mode. Yep. How fast will you die against a Thunderjaw? I have no idea. Um, I have not played New Game Plus yet. I haven't had the chance to. What they describe ultra hard mode as is that the enemies are much more aggressive in battle. And they're a lot tougher. And all the items you need cost more. So say if you need to buy potions or whatnot, they cost way more shards. You're probably better off going to hunt for them, but you run the risk of running into these machines and whatnot. So, okay. But the the game is phenomenal. I, the story was really impactful. I encourage will you and Seth, I'm sure he's listening as well to finish that game or anybody else who's playing through horizon zero dawn, finish the game the story there's a point when you start going through and teases you're learning more about what happened and uh, about Aloy and once I started down that road I was like I can't stop I gotta go gotta go and it was really what can I say without spoiling I just say it it was really good it was really interesting the path that Guerrilla Games took for the story for Horizon so definitely worth um taking a look at that's been my gaming stuff all week. I really haven't done much. Anything else. It's been somewhat of a busy week for me. There is one thing we did do. It's not gaming related, but we can still talk about it. Oh yeah. A movie came out this weekend. You might've heard of it. If you're a cool kid, you went and saw it. It's called Spider-Man homecoming. We both saw it. I've already seen it twice. I literally before this recording, I came back from the movie theaters from seeing it the second time. Um, Quick, because it really makes me think, especially with the Spider-Man game coming out next year from Insomniac. What did you think about the movie? So Tom Holland proved that he is probably the best Peter Parker we've seen. Okay. Um, I do love the fact that like the web shooters and the cartridges, that was like, obviously there they made points to show him going to go get things for refills 
Yeah, where he had to make the web fluid. Yeah, and, so and I guess in this conversation, let's try and not spoil anything for people. That's so. what I'm trying to. I'm trying to, you know, not trash a movie for you guys, oh, dude. Oh man, I love the fact. Just simple displays of strength, it, like it's no big deal. Yep. <laughs> like lifting oh, hey. up stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I need to see it again. It is. First impression is it's in my top five Marvel movies. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, that's a lot of people that have seen it have said similar things that it's one of the best Marvel movies that have come out from the kind of the house of M house of Marvel. It, I think this was the best Spider-Man movie that portrayed what Spider-Man is really of him having to deal with his personal life as well as his superhero life and kind of having that balance. And I, I really like the fact that they kind of, made him younger. Now he's been younger in the comics, but he's a high school student and having to go through the drudge that is high school <laughs> and get through that, but also have the extracurricular activity of being a superhero and saving people and helping people like the, um, I don't want to give the part away, but the whole little skit where he's going through the city at the start, um, with the bike and the people he's talking to, that was really great. And it, it was very relatable, especially for people that or for a hero that people see around just seeing that was really cool. Now in that particular thing, my favorite part was when the guy was trying to get into the car, that scene, <laughs> that scene, once you watch the movie, if you've watched the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But that particular scene had me laughing. Yeah, I was, I was, that whole part had um, me laughing. The whole movie itself was really great. I really enjoyed it. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Um, he's one of my favorites superheroes. And it was really glad. I was really glad to see him on screen like that. And what Marvel and Sony did. When you, when you put the bullshit aside. And stop bickering over licensing. And decide to team up. And say hey let's make a great movie for the fans. Um, I'm sure it will be the number one movie this week. I don't uh, even have a doubt about that. Yeah, it's already at 120 million on box office. Yeah. Did you know that Sony estimated this movie would only make $80 million? That what? Was, that was their early estimate. It was completely <laughs> ridiculous. Everybody's like, that's extremely conservative. Extremely. Yeah, it made that on its first day. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make any type of sense, but. Wow. Yeah. Okay, good job, Sony. Um, in the future, continue to partner with Marvel. You'll okay. make boatloads of cash. But the movie itself, really great. If you have not had a chance to watch Spider-Man Homecoming by the time you listen to this as it goes live, then I think both of us encourage you to go see the movie. Heavily. It is well worth the money you spend on it. Well worth your time. Most definitely. Also, i got to say, I'm glad that Happy's still around. Oh, they're never going to get rid of Happy. Love Happy. Oh, Happy's awesome. Uh, yeah, he he's always great every time you see him on the show. John Favreau is... He, I think that's going to be his position, just like, you know, Tony Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. and everybody like that. That's that's Ho Happy Hogan, so that's really good. But enough movie talk. Yeah. Because this is the Rocket Punch cast, where we talk about video games in the microphones every week, as you're listening to this every Tuesday... Um, you can always find our content, Rocket Punch, um, over at rocketpunchgo.com. 
That's going to be your one-stop shop for all the content we do for the Rocket Punch cast, for our other podcasts like Tank and Spank and Creator Spotlight, as well as all of our video efforts um, and our live streaming efforts are going to be found directly on there. If you're looking to support us, you want to help us continue to this crazy passion project we have, continue doing this awesome stuff, then you can always go to patreon.com slash rocket punch and sign up to be a Patreon and help support the show for as little as a dollar a month. You can get great rewards for helping us out, such as bonus episodes, physical goodies and stickers and things like that. And also that warm, warm feeling in your heart, letting you know that you did something awesome. That's good. Everybody wants that, right? Always, man. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But all the table talk aside, it's time for our topics of the show this week. Um, number one, we're going to do the softball. Seth still isn't here, so we still have time to talk about this in a reasonable and level-headed manner. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't guessed, there's like three things that set him off when we do the podcast. <laughs> Just take a guess. I'll give you like... Five seconds. Okay, I think I know. Destiny? Yeah. All right, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Destiny 2 and kind of our beta expectations for Destiny 2. Some news broke out this week. I think it came from the what the newsletter they send out every Thursday. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But IGN first, as well as doing a huge thing all month on Destiny 2. So before even getting into this topic, if you are really interested in Destiny 2, swing over to IGN. They do something called IGN first, where they get kind of like previews of new games up and coming. They have Destiny 2 all month. So all the Destiny 2 news you're ever going to need is going to be found over there. <clears throat> um, some of the information we got this past week is information on the beta. For people who don't know, um, if you do pre-order Destiny 2, you're going to be available available to access the um, open beta um, later on, probably in the next week or two as of this recording. Um, for PlayStation 4 owners, you'll be able to start the beta on the 18th of July. For Xbox One owners, you'll be able to start on the 19th of July, and that's if you've pre-ordered the game. If, you've, um, pre- if you haven't pre-ordered the game, you'll be able to access the beta on the 21st of July. And then for the PC players, I think whether you've pre-ordered or not, because they're still working, probably fine tuning the PC version, that beta is not available until late August. They haven't given a date yet for that. Um, uh, believe me, follow us, keep, stay in touch. We'll be able to give you guys that information soon. Uh, but th- that's coming up. That's really quick. Yeah, man. I, I, really for, is. I know they said summer and I totally forgot it's July now and it's summer and, that stuff's coming up. What what do we want from the beta? What are, what are your thoughts going coming in? The beta's coming up. What are we what are you wanting? What are we wanting from the Destiny 2 beta? I, I want to see the game while it's under load. I, I want to see them stressed at, at the Bungie servers. Okay. So. Doesn't Bungie, they don't have dedicated servers, I don't think. They don't have, they still do the peer-to-peer? Yes it, yes and no. I, I'm talking about it's like their, their networking tech. Okay. I want to see that stressed. I don't want to be an Iron Banner glitching around again. Did that happen in the beta for Destiny? Uh, they didn't really, ha- as far as I remember, do the Iron Banner thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to try the PvP. I really want to see 
less than 25% of the story. <laughs> you want to see the story. <laughs> no, yes, but I don't want a quarter of it in the beta. Well, I do know from some of the stuff I've seen on Destiny 2 what they intend to show for the beta. You will be able to play the mission that was shown at E3 and at the Destiny reveal event. So that first mission when uh, Gaul comes in and takes over um, the tower, you'll be able, they will have the new PvP mode for the Crucible. You'll be able to play that and experience the kind of basically the overhaul that is PvP. I believe it was very interesting how they worded it. You won't be able to access the farm, which is the big social area, except for a certain period of time. So I'm assuming that you'll more than likely just be floating in space and go to do whatever you want to. And the farm will be accessible, I think, on that Sunday. I can't remember the day. At a, like a maybe an hour or two period where you actually can go on the farm and play. And their main reason for that was for stress load. Because you can now have 26 people in the social area instead of 10, like 8 or 10, which was the max last time. Yay, we don't have back-end support for prior generation consoles. Yay. Yep, yeah, see, see what happens? It, it, that's technology. You know, when you, when you drop that support, they have a lot more leeway as far as making sure they can advance the tech. It, <clears throat> I want, I know one thing that we both agree on is story. Um, not necessarily giving us a quarter of the story, you know, don't, don't do what destiny beta did where you more or less played a quarter of the game right from the start, but getting a chance to play that story mission and kind of get a feel for how better the story is going to be. I mean, more or less that it's actually going to have a solid foundation little story mm-hmm. in the game. Um, because we've talked before, the reports that they really didn't know all the issues with the story last time. And they didn't know what the story was and what the darkness was and all this other confusion and stuff and Bungie because of people leaving. And I think now they have a really good footing, especially even through that kind of the success that destiny has had in the past three years coming into destiny Two, I think I really believe they're going to have them come out swinging with a really great story this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it already sounds and looks really great. So I'm really hoping for a much better story. And I think that they're going to deliver that. I don't want too much. I want, hopefully you want want enough to keep you satisfied until the game comes out. Exactly. Kind of dangle like, Ooh, I want to come out of this beta with like, man, I really, really, really want to get back into destiny. (laughs) Like I really loved the story and I love the beta and I want to get back to it. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to get from the beta. Mm -hmm. One of the few things, um, what else? Oh man, I really, honestly, I want to see the background art. I want to see what they have in the distance. I want to see how big the world is. Now that's not necessarily, I hope not a beta thing. See how big the world is, but I want to go explore uh, like I did in the alpha and the beta for the original destiny. I want to see something that may give me a sense of wonder about this game. Yeah. I think one of the, that is one of the big things showing, not even just showing the world, but showing what they're going to fill that world with. Uh, one of the things they've talked about with De- with Destiny 2 entails the different points. It's not just here are your story missions on the map, but you have, a, what are they? I know one thing was called flashpoints, these extra side missions where you, they're not necessary to complete the story, but you can still go there and do these events to get optional rewards. I'm hoping 
to see a little bit of that. Maybe get a taste. Don't want too much. Because I think if you give too much away, then it really hurts your game in the long run. I think that's what happened with the original Destiny. Um, but I really want to see that a little bit more. Kind of show me those quests. Show me what other crazy, kooky characters I'm going to talk to and do these side quests with. And what re- what rewards I'm going to get from that. Um, there. Anything else? No, man, I'm good. I just want to hear the soundtrack. I want to see the art, and I want to go shoot some fools. I mean, you see, so simple, so easy for you. Please, yeah. Just give me, give me it all. <laughs> I won't tell anybody, guys. So just give it all to me, and, and I'll go shoot fools and let you know if, it, if the guns give work it right. To me now. Uh, what, um, what from the Crucible are you interested in seeing? I don't want lag. That is my biggest thing. The one thing that always annoyed me about the Crucible was it was very easy during things like Iron Banner to just start lagging about out. And it was it wouldn't just be me. It would be people in Florida who are also experiencing it like while well, I'm playing with them up here in North Alabama. Okay. So, I, I don't know if I've ever had the lag issue. And I guess that's why you wanted to see more about the stress tests and things like that. Um, but I can get that. I can definitely get that. Hopefully they I think they've improved their infrastructure on the back end. And hopefully they we see that a little bit more of that, especially I mean, a lot of people are gonna be hitting this beta. There's not a question about that. Yeah. So hopefully they show a little bit more of that. I'm really curious about this PvP and if it's going to be better, be worse, especially now that you know, number one, it's not six V six, it's four V four. Um it's more arena based. I think it's gonna make it more intense. I think so too. I mean, arena multiplayer is one of the more intense things you have as far as the multiplayer game. It goes, in my opinion, people go in, you have, you know, your team of four and it's not just one person dies and the other, you know, Oh, we're going to be okay. Everybody has to coordinate very well in order to succeed and win, especially as you climb higher in ranks and go to eventually esports and things like that. Oh man. You, you just said the dirty word. Uh, esports is a dirty word. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe on ESPN, but uh, <laughs> I want to see what the multiplayer. I want to see what the community is going to say about the new multiplayer. And really curious about what their thoughts are going to be on that. And if it's going to, you know, a thumbs up or. Eh, maybe tweak this. That's why they're having the beta so early so they can find any last minute tweaks and make those changes. Um, but. I think that's going to be a big thing is uh, multiplayer. I really want, I think overall for me, I really want the beta to succeed. One of my gripes, you can call it gripes with the first beta for the original destiny when it came out was again, the big one was the story, which actually, if you think about it, the story felt pretty good. I just think when you attach the rest of the game to it, it was like, okay, the story is a little more convoluted than I thought it was. Well, I mean, now we actually have a firm bad guy. It's not just like the darkness with air quotes around it. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me think of um, Dr. Evil, <laughs> the finger quotes, darkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I need a picture of that. <laughs> we'll make sure we have that for social. 
But it is good to have a central villain. Uh, maybe we'll have more explanations on what the darkness is and how that works and plays into the stories of destiny as a whole. But really just, I want them to show what they need to show, but don't show too much. It's a beta for all intents and purposes. Test what you need to test. We're going to give you that feedback and then wholeheartedly accept that feedback and figure out what you want to do with the game and what changes need to be made before the launch this September. Cause as you think about it, that's not far off. It's only two months. I mean, they've got more, a little over a month from when the beta ends before the game goes live for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I need more time, but I need less time. (laughs) Everybody always wants more time, but you're never going to get it. I really, I really want Bungie to learn from the first three years of destiny. I really want them to see what the community has voiced back. And it sounds like they've all the concerns that the community has had, they're taking care of in destiny Two, or at least a lot of them really want to see them succeed with this beta. Um, I'm not going to, I'm excited for destiny Two, but I, my expectations are a, a good bit lower than they were when destiny one first came out. Mm-hmm. just because of what happened with the beta and then you had the full game and then the problems that came around with destiny when it started. So, you know, knock on wood, knock, knock that Bungie and the guys have listened are really prepared. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of the IGN first content that I talked about at the top of this topic and based on what some of the developers, Luke Smith, Mark Noseworthy have said on destiny two and what their focus has been. I'm really excited. It makes me hopeful, but I think for me at this point, I don't hate destiny at all. I love destiny, had fun with it, still have fun with it whenever I get that itch for it, but I'm, I'm ready for destiny two and I'm ready for this game to kind of bloom and become what I think it it was trying to be, but had so many problems in the first three years. I just hope it does, man. I, I need, I need something besides wow for an everyday thing. <laughs> that way, I can alternate. So on patch day for wow, I can play Destiny too. <laughs> so you don't have to deal with the server load on there. I guess that, yeah. that makes you, you got to alternate. You know, <laughs> that makes some sense. Makes some sense. I get it. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> so topic one's done. Let's talk about topic two, which I think is an interesting one. Definitely worth mentioning. This was an interesting article that came out this week. Yep. Kotaku released an article. I'm looking at the article right now. The title of the article is the year's biggest selling games and hardware in Japan so far. And I thought this was a really good topic to bring on the show to really talk about gaming in the East in Japan. And we really haven't thought and looked at Japan. That's really I mean, if you want to say the birthplace of gaming and modern video games. Actually, don't think so. I mean, just in an overall statement. It's, I mean, Nintendo resurrected the game industry after it went down. Yeah. Well, thinking about that, kind of from that point, Japan and Nintendo really led the charge for gaming that kind of spread across the world. And now we have PlayStations and Xboxes and Apparently Atari's crazy enough to make their own console again. And you know what? If it's good, I'll buy it. They'll, they'll need the support. 
from the third party developers. And I don't know if they're third party developers are ready to support another console, but this article is really interesting. And I thought it was worth looking at the article and maybe talking about gaming in Japan, what they, what it's looking like from them based on this article and these statistics that Kotaku's got, as well as kind of the differences between over here in the West and over there in the East. So I'm going to go, uh, what will ch- double checking some information. So I'm going to go through this list, giving you some statistics. This article was pulled from, um, Famitsu. Uh, that's where Kotaku kind of grabbed all this information. Uh, Famitsu reported game and hardware sales data from December 26th, 2016 to June 25th, 2016. As far as software goes, these are the top 10 selling games. For that period. Hmm. Number 10 is one, two switch, which sold a little over 200,000 copies. They got a typo there. It's June 25, 2017. Oh yeah. June 25th, 2017. Thank you for that correction. I'm sorry. I've just looked at the screen. I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't look right. (laughs) Good catch. Good catch. We'll make sure that it's probably Jason Schreier. No, No, it's it's Ashcraft. Ashcraft. We'll, um, we'll report him report spam. There we go. That's what we'll do. Uh, number 10 was one, two switch, which had, um, sold about 200,807 copies within that period. Number nine is Yokai watch three Sukiyaki for the three DS, which sold 215,297 copies in that period. Number eight is Momotaro Dentetsu 2017 for the three DS sold 263,790 copies. Number seven is near Automata for the PS4 sold 311,906 copies. Resident Evil 7 for the PS4 sold 324,066 copies. Super Mario Maker for the 3DS is number 5, which sold 397,656 copies. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, surprisingly, at number 4 for the Switch with 460,480 copies sold. Number three is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the Nintendo Switch, which sold 501,614 copies. Number two is Pocket Monster Sun and Moon for the 3DS, which is Pokemon for the kids that aren't in the know. Uh, Sold 527,862 copies. And the number one game, we're going to talk about this, very interesting, is Monster Hunter Cross Cross for the 3DS which sold 1.6 million copies in that period. <laughs> that's hey, what's we up. need to talk about this. Six-month period. So we're going we're gonna to do software first, then we'll look at the hardware numbers as well and give our thoughts on that. What are your thoughts on this list? I'm actually very impressed with Nintendo. Look at all the things up on the top, man. They got one to uh, Switch. Um, Yokai Watch is exclusive to the 3DS. We'll just counting. We get one, Super two, Mario three, Maker, Legend of Zelda, four, Mario five, Kart, six, seven, eight. Pokemon. Eight eight of the ten games are from Nintendo. Of which of those eight games, one, two, three, four, five are Nintendo 3DS games. Well, I guess the DS is staying around, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. <clears throat> I think when I talked to you about this article, I think one of the things you mentioned, I asked you, what do you think is number one? And what was the game you said? Zelda. You, you would think, oh, Breath of the Wild, that's number it, one. It's like a 104% attachment rate. Uh, but you also have to remember, this is from Christmas last year to 
end of June this year. So this is yeah. a six month block. Now, saying that, the fact that Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe are three or four and three respectively on this list, and Zelda's been out since March, Mario Kart 8, 8 Deluxe has been out since is it April? Yeah. So what three to four months that each of those games had and they still ended up in the top five? Yeah. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I think Nintendo's moving some switches is what's happening. Oh yeah. I think another interesting thing here, getting off the Nintendo train for a second, near Automata and Resident Evil Seven ended up on this list. Yeah. Pretty high up. I'm actually I'm shocked that Persona's not on this list. Eh, I mean Hey man, Persona's a pretty anime level. Yeah. Again, the anime BS meter, it's high up there. It may yeah. be near the top, but But just interesting that seeing how well Resident Evil has done even in Japan, it's a number six on the list. And even near I know at least out here on the West that was really thought as a cult classic game mm-hmm. um, or series, I'd rather say. And so when I guess a lot of people were really excited for near when it came out for it to even pop up here on number seven on the list. I'm honestly surprised with the life to date volume for Mario maker on the three DS. It's at 1.141 million. Yep. Yeah, they, they also gave um, life to date. So as long as the game's been out, they gave those ranges in parentheses. I didn't read those. But yeah, I'm, for the, the 3DS, 1.14 million copies sold life to date. For so when is it hitting the Switch? Because let's be real, with that many sold, they're going to want to put it on the other console. It's going to happen. It's going to be like a Super Mario Maker Deluxe for Switch. Something to that extent. Nah, man. Instead of Deluxe, they just need to be DX. <laughs> You know what's really shocking about one of the other big shockers? One Two Switch is on the list. Yeah, dude, it's it, something you can play with your friends, and on a new console, that's you know that's well, quite a bit. Even just looking at that game for a second, think I'm curious to know how well it sold over here in the West, but I can imagine not very well. Uh, I mean, my thought on the game is, that should have, at the very least, been a pack in, if not nowhere near the sixty dollars. I think that. Nintendo's charging for it, maybe 30. I would have been okay with 30 or less. But to see it on the t- it's on the top 10 hardware lists over a 6-month period. This game launched with the the Switch. The Switch in March. Yeah. And to po- crack the top 10 for that game. And I, I guess maybe that speaks to the kind of games that Japan really likes, those party games, things like that. Yeah, fair enough. Man, I still find this crazy that the top two on the list are 3DS games. Well, I'm not surprised about Pokemon Sun and Moon getting on that list. Oh, no. Um, Their life-to-date numbers in Japan are 3.7 million copies sold life-to-date. The crazy one is Monster Hunter Cross Cross. Yeah. And... I think seeing that, seeing this list and seeing that at number one really speaks to, in my opinion, why we're getting Monster Hunter World for oh. um, the main mainstay consoles. I think, I don't know the who makes Monster Hunter. It's a Capcom title, isn't it? Yeah, it is Capcom. I think Capcom's trying to take 
I think they've been trying to do it for a few few years now, trying to take the Monster Hunter brand and kind of spread that out across the world, kind of get it out of Japan and bring it over to the West and make it as popular in the West. Now, have you, you may have not, I may have to show you after the show and listeners, if you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. Have you seen the 23 minute video gameplay video they showed of Monster Hunter World? I saw whatever was in one of the press conferences and that's it. Okay. They actually have a brand new, it's like 20 ish minutes of monster hunter world gameplay. It actually looks really cool and really interesting. Okay. And I've never particularly cared about monster hunter, maybe because it was on the 3ds and it just, the controls didn't mesh with me, but I think seeing it on the consoles um, in HD and all those graphics and kind of, they showed that video of how you play in the game. Really. I was like, man, this looks really good. I might have to check this out. This looks really, really awesome. No, I would definitely agree with you. I'm although I do have a special edition new three DS for monster hunter. So I was like, cool. I get to go kill monsters. Let's go. Yeah. You've played, you've yeah. played the games. What are your, what has been your impressions of the monster hunter games? At least the one you have and you've played. The version I have is the one that came with the DS, so it's it's not the latest one, so I can't really speak to that. I do enjoy, though, trying Well, just to the series in general, because there's a general, I mean, your basis is you go, you prep yourself, you go kill monsters, you take their organs and make better armor, and then you go kill more monsters. Well, no, I sit there and I cook meat. And then you cook meat. That's also <laughs> in the game. Yes. I'm um, going to be honest with you. My favorite thing to do is go kill things and then turn them into food. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do in that game I'm going to go kill you with this big old sword and then I'm going to eat you <laughs> do you think that looking at Monster Hunter Cross Cross at the top of this list in Japan do you think there is a market for Monster Hunter in the west in the US and Europe if they go with the world approach like they're doing yes you really think that okay. on the DS it's really hard to play that game if you don't have friends who are also buying it that's true. And there are a lot of 3DSs here in the United States, but there are way more PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones and PCs yes. in the West, I think, than in Japan. And just the West, because we're the West, we want power. We want the graphics and the 4Ks and all this unlimited power and <laughs> <laughs> our best um, Palpatine impersonation. You guys, I, I wish you could have seen his face. <laughs> it, it's truly awe-inspiring. But I think us as Westerners, I think that's what we're looking for. And so I think it was a smart move for Capcom instead of trying to release, which I think they've been trying. They've pushed Monster Hunter out to the 3DS over here in the West, and it's found some success. Mm -hmm. But I think putting it on the mainstay consoles having those HD graphics, 1080p, 4K, whatever you want to do, they're going to have it on PC as well, is really going to, I believe, open that open that door for Monster Hunter to really succeed. The only way Monster Hunter will truly succeed is as long as they get their 8K gaming squared away. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. 8K gaming, you got to have that. Have your PC Master Race riding on that super souped-up 8K tower. I mean, get, get out of here. Get out of here. Um. Anything else jump at you? We, we, you, you did say earlier, it's no surprise that Yokai Watch is on this list. No, it's a kid's game. Um, I, it's, I, they're trying to make that the new Pokemon game. Do not even care. I don't uh, care. You don't care. 
Ten-year-olds care. Yeah, ten-year-olds do, but at least for us old gamers, we remember Pokemon. And if it's not Pokemon, we don't give a shit about anything else but Pokemon. We don't give anything any flying uh, invertebrates. See, so. see Digimon for more information. <laughs> hey, I like Digimon. <laughs> I like Digimon too, but you like Pokemon better. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> Point has been proven. Point has been proven. Although Digimon's music is better. Eat that, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I just thought about the theme song. That's crazy. But it's so crazy how this list is dominated by Nintendo and even just dominated half of the games are 3DS games or mobile or handheld games. They wouldn't say mobile or handheld games. It really That really talks about the market that Japan has right now is there all the people in Japan really like Mobile games are like handheld games. Yep. I think that's why the Switch. I really think about it. a chunk about why the Switch exists. The, the Switch. Yeah. The Switch was. It's a new fresh idea for the West, but it's also it's portable and it's a handheld. And guess who loves the handhelds? I think that's a big market that J- Japan is going through right now. It's all about handhelds and sitting on wherever they're at and they can play the games anywhere. Well, you got to remember, too, man, if they're getting jammed into a train to go somewhere every single day and you get enough room to pull your switch out right in front of you and play some like legend of Zelda. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome. Any actually even any other thoughts on the games here on the list? No, I'm just disappointed in Japan that Zelda's not higher. <laughs> shame Japan. Shame on you and your family. Um, <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> can we also switch one to switch out with Persona? Because that would be really great. It doesn't, like, for me, like, why isn't Persona on this list? Oh my God, what is one to switch doing on here? But eh, whatever. Just you know, wait. The next six months will be nothing but Persona and Final Fantasy. Yeah. I guess thinking about it, Persona did come out in April. Yeah. So, oh, no, in Japan, they came out much sooner than that for the PS4. It was like fall last year. So, they should have been on the list. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, well. So. Since we talked about the Switch, let's talk about the hardware rankings. Some of these will not be a surprise. The first one I read. Others might be a little shocking, but um, I'm going to go through right now the hardware sales rankings for that same period. Um, Number five is the Xbox One with 5,093 units sold within that six-month period. Uh, Number four is the PlayStation Vita with 26,296 units sold. Suck it, Xbox. (laughs) Seth isn't here to, <laughs> to defend uh, Phil Spencer and his Microsoft no. brand. We're going to talk about it. We're Seth, about I need it. you to send me a picture of your face when you hear this. <laughs> Number three is the Nintendo 3DS with 872,620 units sold. Number two is the PlayStation 4 with 877,630 units sold. And number one... Is the Nintendo Switch with over a million, one million six one point oh six one six million units sold year to date? So, with those numbers, what jumps out at you first with those numbers? Japan is very nationalistic. <laughs> That's not even any in any. It should not be in anyone's doubt that um, very much Japan is very nationalistic. Looking at those numbers, it's no very many people have Xbox Ones. Actually, looking at the life to date sales for Xbox Ones is seventy eight thousand sub eighty k. So, how long has the Xbox One been out? Twenty thirteen. 
Yeah. So it hasn't even cracked a hundred thousand. And that speaks, we've talked about it on the show, Seth, myself, you've talked about it, that Japan really does not care about the Xbox one at all. And maybe not, not saying that in a mean or bad way. They just don't No, They're like, no, we have our PlayStation. We have our Nintendo. We're good. Yeah. And I also think one of the big reasons is there's really, I don't think there's anything that really pulls to Japanese players. You think about, you know, they're looking for these fantastical people and these crazy people in these crazy pants with these big swords and these RPGs and MMOs and crazy chibis and all yeah. that weird stuff. And there's really not a game that you can think of. Maybe I'm wrong on the Xbox platform that would really speak to the Japanese audience. Not exclusive, no. Yeah. And you think about back when they had Blue Dragon on the 360, and I think it, they had Final Fantasy 14. I know they had 12. No, and the 360 also had 13. Yeah. Um, but there was another, a few other games like that, like very Japanese-type RPG games that were on the 360. And there were few and far between, but even then the 360 didn't do all that well in Japan. Uh, I think that was one of the reasons we were both excited for Scalebound. Oh, dude, Scalebound was great. Being able to ride dragons, yes. Yeah, and I think that, at least I thought that that spoke very much to the Japanese audience that could have given them a boost in sales, especially since that was an exclusive game Yep. Um, for the Xbox family. Although, on the flip side of that, I'm not sure how well PC gaming is doing in the um, Land of the Rising Sun, but... It, that that was an Xbox Play Anywhere title, so people could have bought that on PC as well instead of going out and buying a console. Mm-hmm. That could have spoke to that, but I, that's one of the big ones that jumps out. It is not a surprise, but especially when you compare the numbers to its competitor, PlayStation Four has eight hundred and seventy-seven thousand units. It, the closest num the closest person in front of it is the Vita, with twenty-six thousand units sold in a six-month period. Like that really hang on just the fact that the Vita is still relevant in Japan relevant at 26,000. Eh, I mean, no, right. But look at life to date. Yeah. Life to date numbers are 5.5 million for the Vita. And that's been out since 2012 or 11. One of the two. Yeah, But I'm just saying like it, it does have support over yeah. there. It, even though Sony's officially cared their own looking at this. Yeah. Look at this first point. What are your thoughts? What can Microsoft do anything to kind of work their way back into the hardware market over in Japan? Do you think I I would be impressed if they could honestly, and it's, uh, it's not a priority for them. I mean, look at it. There, there were their E3 was cars and, you know, shooting games and all this other stuff. Very, a Western focused thing. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And really, a lot of the games that people associate with Xbox are your first-person shooters and things like that. So that's very Western-driven. Japan doesn't necessarily care about that as a country as a whole. But this also speaks to even looking at Microsoft and Xbox's success. And their markets are really primarily, they've got a foothold in the U.S. and Europe. And the fact that, even with the Xbox One, they're exceeding the Xbox 360 sales numbers. Yep. Um, at least, you know, date and date. And so that's really good for Microsoft and Xbox. 
the big thing is I think having that Japanese market for Sony and PlayStation is really big. I think it's also, it speaks as well to with China. We haven't talked about that, but China coming into the gaming market, they're allowing consoles now and seeing that really become something and kind of seeing both Microsoft and Xbox as well as Sony and PlayStation try and crack that market so they can get more sales and it's business. That's what they want. But it's going to be interesting to see how that fight goes because that what China is a billion. It's like a close to a billion people in China. Um, yeah, or over. I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, ultimately, hey, if you can breach another market that you haven't had access to and earn some money, go for it. Yep, agreed. Agreed. What other what other stuff can we glean from this numbers? We talked about the Vita. It doesn't matter what you want to say. The between the Vita and the 3DS, the 3DS is still the king. A large 872,000 units sold for the 3DS as compared to 26,000 for the Vita. Well, I love that Nintendo has spots one and three. It really shows that Mario on a Throne of Bones is a possibility. <laughs> it's coming soon. Sooner than you may think. But um, that clearly shows that while the 3DS is the king... As far as handhelds go over there, there are a couple of Vitas still out there. People are still enjoying their Vitas. Um, it also clearly shows that the Vita's dead. I'm actually surprised it has that many souls, and it really hasn't. I mean, Sony hasn't made any push for that console in a long time. No, they really so, haven't. Um, um, funny enough, though, 872,620 units for the 3DS. The PS4 is 877,630. Very close. <laughs> The fact that you have a handheld competing with a home console in unit sales is very is, impressive. Yeah. And it speaks back to that point we talked about earlier with Japan. A big market for Japan right now is mobile market, handheld market, um, games you can take on the go. Again, probably why your number one console or hardware piece sitting on here is the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I think for Nintendo in the switch, one of the things that they needed to do to make that successful was going to be how the switch did at home in Japan. Mm -hmm. And I think they really, um, I think, I mean, looking at these numbers, it's been out since March and they have over a million units sold in Japan speaks very highly of that console. And I think they've got great success, great success, um, over in Japan with a Nintendo switch. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, man, right now, Throne of Bones is getting closer and closer. <laughs> but it, again, very interesting. I think one of the main interesting points is we knew the Xbox One didn't have never traditionally did as well in Japan, but how low that number is was really eye-opening. And even we talked about the 3DS, but just looking at the Switch, look at the power that console has and the fact that it's only been out for three months and it's already pushing this high on the sales charts within a six-month period. It's at half the time as some of these consoles and and software and yet it's dominating the list left and right good now we just need more software support come on developers yeah it's it's, in do your do your patriotic duty to the land of the rising sun yeah (laughs) i think these numbers really prove that there is a future with switch i'm curious to see what nintendo has for next year and kind of beyond with the switch well i mean they've already announced like what three years out with metroid prime 4 i mean i i not even looking at Metroid Prime 4, the thing that's really going to be a boon for the Switch is when that Pokemon game comes out for the console. 
Oh, yeah. When Pokemon drops, everybody will call out for a week. Yep. Everybody, I, I'm like, going to have to take vacation. People were going to buy Switches left and right when that game comes out. I mean, they haven't even showed anything. It's just they talked about it, and they're still going to. I know that's going to do very well. Very well. Any other thoughts on these numbers? No. Um, I'm, I'm fairly whelmed, actually. Fairly whelmed? <laughs> Not overwhelmed, but some of these expected some of them were a little bit surprising uh, but these were good numbers this is a great write-up by kotaku on these numbers and really kind of getting a albeit a six-month snapshot but kind of a snapshot into the gaming kind of archetype over in japan and kind of seeing what works and what doesn't really um it's really cool really really cool uh gives us a taste of what you know we're in america where this is the u.s but really seeing what other gamers in other countries have a taste for I'd be interested to see what the UK plays out like. That would be cool too. I mean, there are West, there are friends across the pond and to see what they like and what they don't like. That would be really cool. I, I bet there would be, it would be vastly different. Like, I don't think you would see 3DS on here nearly as much. I guarantee you FIFA would be on that list. Oh yeah. No, there'd be a sports game somewhere. I'd agree with that. Definitely. <laughs> they love their soccer. I'm sorry. They love their football. Whew, man, I'm going to get crucified for that. No, actually, the British invented soccer, and they called it soccer originally. So I'm calling it soccer. Okay, man. Get in trouble. If, if, if you don't like that, my, my fr- friends over in the UK, then you can definitely tweet us at Rocket Punch Go. You can tweet- no, no, at CT Gamer. You can tweet at me. Send <laughs> the hate right at me. So you can tweet at me as well, at C Kearns. You can also tweet directly at Seth, at Darth Turner as well, if you ever guys, guys ever want to get in touch with us. But... With that note, we are done with the last topic for the show, and that is the end for episode 67 of the Rocket Punchcast. Pretty good episode. We stayed under an hour. I'm proud of that. Yes, I'm quite happy with this. <laughs> that was like the first one we, we'd done in a while. Uh, hopefully, Seth will be back next week. He'll be off his vacation. If not, we'll, we'll always be here. We'll be back to entertain all you lovely listeners. But as always, we really want to thank each and every listener who is tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to the content we make and produce each and every week. You can always go see all of our stuff at rocketpunchgo.com. If you're ever looking to support rocket punch in our endeavors, definitely swing by Patreon, patreon.com slash rocket punch. You'll be able to support us there and get awesome, cool swag and little bonus content available to you. But with that, that's going to conclude this episode guys. We thank you so much for listening We will see you next week. Until then, farewell.